1: so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super honored and excited for today's guest. I wanna welcome Ted Miller III, Joel Com, Barney Waters, Anthony Sarandria, Ben Malal, Nicholas hey, Kuzmich, hey. George Bryant to Making Bank. I know you said you mentioned you had kind of like seven principles that you kind of- Oh yeah, yeah, I,
2: yeah, I can share those. Yeah. So these are basically what I was thinking through is like, what are the things that can stand the test of time that if a business does even a few of them, that there's no way they can lose? And that's kind of where I came up with this list. So uh, principle number one, this is a mind blowing principle. uh, Listen to what the customer wants. And what I see happening a lot of times is we have a lot of companies and people that buy data. They spend a hundred grand on market research to figure out what product to launch without just asking. And honestly, there's so much feedback that exists on hashtags, on your social media, on Amazon listings, on your FAQs and your emails that you need to be paying attention to what people are saying and not saying from social media comments, email responses, noticing the social trends and also realizing like if you create content and you post it and you're used to posting every day and there's a thousand likes and a hundred comments. And then when you post this one piece of content, there's only 93 likes and six comments over and over. You need to listen to what they're not saying as well because it's feedback. And so that's number 1. Number 2 is everything we do has to be learning or serving. So don't try to make people click, make them care. But if you are working on social media, if you're working in the back end of the business, if you're doing customer research or user experience or, you know, customer journeys, ask yourself is like what I'm about to do post, share or ask helping me learn about my client, my customer or my business? Yes or no? And if it's a no, is it helping me serve that client, person, or business based on what I know in the learning category? And if both of those are no, you're going to waste your time, energy, and money doing something that will have absolutely no effect on the business. None whatsoever. Uh, Principle number three is focus on building long-term relationships, not one-night stands. And so going from transaction to transformation, eliminating the ability to like make every single thing an ask, like in Gary's words, like don't write hook over and over and over again. Um, Number four is two-way conversations, not one-way lectures. And so this is probably one of the biggest mistakes that I still keep seeing. So you go to social media, you see this page, you see, uh, you you know, they have 100,000 followers and they do these posts and every day they get 30, 40 comments and they don't respond once you do realize that you have to train your customers on how to be your customers and you have to train your fans on how to be your fans. And so if I have somebody that comes to me and they have a, an, oral, an oral hygiene question and they go on your social media and ask a question, then they go to like Quip Toothbrush and ask a question, whichever brand responds first wins that customer for life, guaranteed. Because somebody asks a question and they don't get a response. We've trained them that they're not important enough to respond to they will never ask again and the one that does they will remember and they will keep and so the most simple thing that you can do is just let people know that they're seen and heard and you know we have hundreds of thousands of fans we still respond to all the dms and 98 percent of the comments we don't respond to emojis because they don't really i don't know what their emoji means and i don't want to make inferences there um so Two-way conversations, not one-way lectures. So you need to play that long game for people because those are all the touch points that it takes in order for them to make a purchasing or sharing decision. And just to wrap that up in that principle, it cost me $5 million to test this with a company, and we figured out that it took between 15 and 24 touch points to convert a cold customer into a $60 product, 15 to 24. And so I'm going to be the Robin Hood of marketing right now. You don't need to spend that money, but you need to think through that journey and touch points by building two-way relationships. Because when somebody sees heard, sees – if they they feel heard, they feel seen, and they feel right, they associate that with you, and they feel better when they consume your brand. They will stick around. Um, so principle number five is no one left behind. Everyone comes home or you die trying. And so for me, this is that every customer or prospective customer feels like they matter in every step of the journey, whether they buy or not. So eliminating that false scarcity, like you're bad and wrong, like I'm taking you off my email list because you don't open. Like give people the choice, but don't, don't create negative ammunition around your brand. And so... Everybody comes home or die trying means that I believe when you launch a company, you have a moral obligation to stand in the biggest possibility. And no matter what, you're going to capture the attention of people that don't buy or that are not a good fit from you. But that doesn't mean that when they come to you, in, in this case, with like a sucking chest wound, that you kick them out the door and tell them to go somebody else. You administer first aid and you help that person. and You approve upon the silence whether they're going to buy from you or not. And that's everybody comes home or you die trying. So that principle for me obviously comes from my military days and deployment days. Um, Principle number six is if it can be personal, it must be. And that means scaling the quote unquote unscalable, but the truth is that you only scale one-on-one because every single thing is a customer. It's one transaction and one relationship. And so you you have to make sure that personalization happens with the person, but also the psychology of where they are. And so I see it all the time, post on Instagram and then you auto post to Facebook. No, two different ecosystems, two different consumption methods, two different avatars, and quite frankly, two different versions of psychology running why they're consuming that content. You can use the same image, but please take seven seconds to write a caption for Instagram and a separate one for Facebook that's applicable to where your customers are so it feels personal and it relates to what they're doing. Every social platform, even within them, Instagram, you have Instagram stories, Instagram feed, paid Instagram, Instagram live. That's four different universes that just exist in one ecosystem and you have to treat them differently. Mm -hmm. And so then the last and the final, and I would say the most important principle for me is that everyone matters whether they give you their credit card or not. And that's eliminating all of the ideas that you feel bad and wrong or Like you're less than if you don't buy. And so, my thesis for this, my theory is that. Our job should constantly be turning every single no into a yes. And so a no being, hey, I didn't buy. That's a no because there was an ask that didn't happen. But don't end on that transaction. Take that no and send them a gift. Build a relationship. Ask a question. Give them a piece of content. Give them a group. Give them more value. Help them consume something different so you can at least get your customer or future customer or maybe never customer back to neutral so you've at least – improved upon that transaction and given them something more than what they came with because that is what builds your business because everybody focuses so much on like pay and conversion and cpa and return on ad spend and acos and amazon all that stuff right i'm like great you do realize that you're playing small because that person spends two hours a day online and spends the other 17 hours in conversation with human beings. So when you can create a physical ownership of a digital brand or a digital experience, you give them the ammunition to go talk about your brand and it becomes a measurable scalability because you can't even attribute all those conversations but all of a sudden the the wave just keeps getting bigger and bigger and the tide just keeps rising. So those are those are the seven principles that I've actually never fully shared publicly before.
1: <laughs> what are the ways to use it and then like and I guess like what does that look like? Cuz I know a lot of people look at education based marketing they're, you know, looking at uh, you know it's got to be this big long educational content video and you know, teaching and teaching and teaching or.
3: Yeah. I mean, well, um. so we met at TNC. And then when I spoke at War Room, I was sitting down with the team, uh, the executives there, and I was asking them what they did. And they said, yeah, we hired one of your old uh, employees. We spent a quarter million dollars on him to find out that he didn't know what you know. <laughs> and he goes, that's why we're sitting down to evaluate a partnership is because a quarter million dollars later, we realized there was a simple secret sauce that that guy didn't understand. Right. And it was what you just said. So what is it you do? How is it? How do you do it? So here, here's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll break it down. Hi, this is Chad Holmes. I work with six of fortune property companies, many of which double their sales in 12, 15 months. If you'd like to learn how to double sales, call 809 9 40 40 52 Call, leave your name and email address. So I'll send you this uh, chapter four of my New York Times bestselling book for free. And they call CEO. We had 12,000 CEOs calling at 70 miles an hour down the freeway. Now it's a pretty big gas, tall order from back in the day. Right. And you were on this phone. You yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're on Blackberries. You're on Nokia's, 67% yep. of the marketplace. And they call and they're like, oh, a uh, salesperson answered 25% of the time. And they're like, oh, I thought I was leaving a voicemail. Well, we're way better than a voicemail could ever be, sir or ma'am. <laughs> and then they go in through the script. But otherwise, they leave their name and email address and that became a lead. We have their cell phone because they called from it. Caller sure. ID. We now have their email address, which means it can go through my automated funnels. And we chase these puppies down and these CEOs to get on the phone to have an intelligent conversation. It lasts about 15 minutes because it's based in content. It's not sell, sell, sell. It's educate. And they say, hey, if you'd like to learn how we could help even further, why don't we just tell you what that looks like? And then at the end of that 15 minutes, we ended with a credit card for 250 bucks for a two and a half hour workshop. It's this, what happened is, When I met Chet, I hired him through a guy named Jay Abraham. I spent 40 grand of money I couldn't afford with Jay. Halfway through it, I come to find out, next you know, Chet's our new consultant, not Jay. And (laughs) that's truly what happened. And I learned a lot from him I went off and two years later he recruited me uh, to come get him out of retirement and kick some butt, what he called, make your F you money. And um, so when we did this radio conversion, are grabbing people's attention. The media was radio. Arbitrage was in Sears Satellite Radio because it was new. I don't know where their arbitrage is now. Maybe you can tell me where I can find people's attention for less money. I'd love to know your perspective on that. But we tried radio. It worked. Then we offered to educate. So now they're coming in, opting in for free. And then we'd have salespeople call and we'd have the next whatever I guess they call a tripwire or whatever, 250 bucks for two and a half hours of their life. Now, here's what happened. When I met Chet, it's like, hey, we speak at events, and we sell $25,000 consulting at the back of the room. Right. Well, guess what? 9-11 hit. Everyone was afraid to get together in masses because a terrorist was going to kill them. Just like they're afraid getting masses today, Right. Uh, corona's going to kill them. Right. So the same fear, mitigated, killed their entire model. So that's why we went online and dial up modem speech. Eee, er, eee, grr, grr. I did that just to survive. And because Chet and I weren't making money for years, not the kind of money that, you know, my wife was making more money at a, you know, blue chip company more than I was because we were trying to figure it out. And what changed everything was when we committed to education and we sold the education instead of trying to toggle into a 25K, you know, pitch that took us nine months to 12 months to close a consulting deal because that's a quarter million dollar decision. Right. I created an ascension model to where I just said, hey, 250 bucks, two and a half hours of your life. And what happened is we got people into our world as a paying client in two weeks and two days on average, because after they attended that workshop, they said, we definitely want to know ways you can help us even further. And we sold them our cornerstone program every day. 30% conversion for a decade, Josh, on a <laughs> workshop. Wow. You know all those funnel mastermind meetings you get into? Because I, I every now and then I get into the DM world. The digital marketers are bragging about their whatever conversion of their daily week. I'm talking of a ten year conversion that's not <laughs> bragging it's just showing the power right. of education and if you used it as well, you could your funnel could just blow up overnight because you have great buy rates and not just from three hundred to five k. We now have the five thousand dollar program going into thirty percent conversion and ongoing coaching at five k a month and then So that's a really sexy model that goes into a big profit center um, that's allowed us to pretty much partner with any major guru we want to.
1: What would be one more really cool kind of marketing tactic that you kind of see the trend moving towards? You know, we
0: are such a digital world now. Sure. uh, A lot of people have forgotten the physical. Right. Right. Okay. And that, that manifests itself in a couple ways. One, there's nothing like coming to an event that right. we're at right now to, you know, press flesh mm-hmm. with people For sure. to shake hands and you know share viruses so that we can all, you know, go <laughs> home and, and cough and be sick. Um, that face-to-face connection is still tantamount, I think that we can't forget that real human connection. Right. The other part of physical is physical goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something I noticed, you know, we're here at a, a show as we're doing this interview and there's a lot of vendors here, and vendors have booths, and at the booths, what do you find? Swag. Yeah. Everybody's got swag, and I look at the things, I look closely at swag to see what are people giving away with their brand on it, and how well does it represent their brand? I see such little creativity In what people are giving away It's like they go to the swag store And they go, well we can put our logo on that, on that, or on that Balls and fidget spinners Balls and and, and fidget spinners Balls, yeah, it's true And, and, you know, another like Ten years ago, it was great That I picked up, you know, a thumb drive Right. right. It. Yeah. But I, I got a whole bag full of drives. four, you know, eight and 16 gig thumb drives sure. with logos on them. And then they load them up with their own stuff. I'm like, I don't want that. That's the first thing. <laughs> you just want a big thumb drive. That's, I want a big thumb drive. <laughs> and so creating something memorable, I, I have sure. a rule about swag. Um, there's there's three things that people should know. Okay, And anytime I produce something, I want to make sure that it has these three attributes. First of all, it needs to be something that people will uh, take, you know, an interest in, or they'll open. Like, right. let's say you send it to them. All right, you open it. There it is. What did I get? Another koozie? You know, <laughs> throw it in the pile. Another bag? Uh, a, a crappy T-shirt? You know, when you look at the T-shirts that we buy, I'm going off. Oh no, no you're okay, you're okay. When you look at the shirts we buy, we buy things that fit a certain style for us. And so many of these people, they stick their logo on the shirt, and then they put on the back. This marketing message that you would never go out and wear it. And
1: it feels like a Brillo. Yeah, it feels stopped. like Brillo.
0: <laughs> like if you're going to make a, a t-shirt, right. then make it something that people would actually want to wear. Otherwise, guess what? Your message isn't going to go out there. Right. So you have to want to open it or receive it. Then you have to use it. Right? So just having something that you've gotten as a piece of swag. Sure. If you go home from an event and you dump all the swag out on your you know, bed and go, eh, crap, crap, drawer, blah, blah, right. blah. And there's nothing you actually you know, use, then what good is it? Right. It's not gonna... You've spent money on something people are going to throw in the trash. Sure. And the third thing is that you're going to use it, right? Or keep it. Right. So open it, um, use it, and keep it. So for example, years ago I wrote a book called ka and it was how to run an online business that pays and pays. And okay. I thought, you know, every time I make a sale, um, I, I there was a an offer I ran that every time a sale come in, a little wave would go so off on my computer. Because it's like yeah. oh, I makes think Shopify me. has
1: that now. Do so they Yeah on the
0: app. I, <laughs> You're I, like, ka-ching. That. <laughs> I was doing that twelve years ago when I was selling <laughs> right. products through my Outlook, it mm-hmm. would trigger it. And I thought, Oh, what if with Kaching there was a green money button? So I went mm-hmm. looking for one. There was no such thing, and okay. I was inspired by Staples Easy, button. easy button. That right. was easy, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, I still think they do that thing wrong. They have this button, and it's so branded to them. Why don't they glue one to the counter at every checkout? So when the customer is done, they, they hit, the hit the button. button. Yeah. And I'll tell you why they don't do it. Because the store employees would want to shoot themselves <laughs> for the whole day. <laughs> bing, 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 Right. That was easy. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. And that was easy. Uh, but I so I created a kaching button. Sure, you know, found a contact in, in China that can manufacture these things. It's awesome. bold for me. And it's a green button, and whenever we sent out the book to editors to review, we sent this piece of swag with it. Mm. Okay. Got their attention. You can't have a kaching button without using it, right? Sure. And then they keep it. They put it on their desk, and it became so popular that we started making them uh, available on Amazon. Now they sell every single day on Amazon, Sorry. the ka button, every day there was, you know, some days two buttons sell the other sure. day t- 20 of them in one order you know, people are buying these you're things right. and so when the the point is um, coming up with something memorable as a promotional tool, physical, is still a great way to market but you have to be creative sure. you have to be willing to take chances and do something that others aren't doing if you're looking at other people's successes and going, I want to Replicate that. Right.
1: You're already behind. Because they've already done it. They're ahead of you. For sure.
0: Do something that they haven't done. Yes. Awesome.
1: What do you guys see? You know, so so you guys locked arms with Gary and you launched the shoe and everything. Yeah. Um, what were some of the challenges that you encountered doing this, and then kind of worked through that?
4: Well, I think you know, number one is is sort of bringing people with you, is having the team sort of understand and go, yeah, we're we're in on this and we see it. Okay. When it, when it's really not tangible yet, so it's just an idea, and I found that you know I sp- sp- spoke a lot of hot air. And that only got me so far. It wasn't until we actually started to do something tangible that people really believe and commit. Right. Even on your own team. That's for sure. Um, and then even, and then the market generally, you know, the, the, um, the, the wholesale market, you know, this is driven by some really strong, powerful brands and to try and get a, a wedge is hard. So you have to have the retail buyers, um, you know, if you're not a direct to consumer brand. Sure. Um, right. you're, you're working through a wholesale partner you've got to get through those gatekeepers. So they have to believe in it too. And you're offering something very different. So there's a lot of challenges along the way. Um, and then, of course, just scaling things up. You know, you you're, you're, the expectations are high with a, a brand like K-Swiss. We do a lot of business around the world. So you can't immediately flip to something, you know, and, and right. give up a business to start to down start here. New. You know, the expectation is always to grow. So you're trying to introduce something new uh, and maintain your old business to not, take an overall decline
1: what have you guys found obviously you guys do a ton of marketing spend a lot of money on it and everything else what has been kind of your best marketing channel that you guys have uncovered you know at least moving 2020 moving forward sure so
5: we focus really heavily on on social so that's okay. uh, facebook instagram youtube tiktok snapchat even native ads but uh, and we've enjoyed it because it's more top of funnel which is uh, you know traditionally not as exciting for people but it's scalable, more top of funnel. So the idea that I can walk into a coffee shop and convert eight out of 10 people there, you know, forces me to choose products like uh, auto insurance, somebody looking to switch their auto insurance quote, eight out of 10 people would perk up versus Mm. if I came in there and I had a product that was like, I'm selling, uh, I don't even know, uh, people that have $10,000 or more in tax debt, you know, like it's a smaller, smaller window of people that I can get in front of. So the products have had to align a lot more with the platforms that we're on. But Uh, really those social platforms for me are so exciting because of the scalability um, playing at top of funnel and be able to convert someone uh, you know that high versus search even if you dominate it you're you're and that's not a knock-on search it's much more it's higher quality traffic people bottom of funnel but I'm also competing with that in that consumer opening five tabs potentially when they're searching for the best auto insurance and then there's competition standpoint there so even though it's bottom of funnel is theoretically, more competition, and also I only I'm limited by the number of searches for someone searching for a you know just turned 26. What's the best auto insurance for me? Type of thing, or uh, or whatever. I don't know. I said That's health insurance, whatever. Uh, you know, or when you first get your car, 18 or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, or, you, or you're getting off your parents' insurance this shit, Maybe you're doing it all at 26. I don't know. But point being is those those top of funnel socials have been very exciting for for us to be able to scale at a high rate.
1: What are maybe like those some of those three key components that you found that like all that go across
6: all the different brands that you've worked. Right, with. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really good, good question. Now the thing is what I'm going to explain here is not something that is a necessity. A lot of people can be successful without these components, but if you want to be extremely successful, like the best of the best, then these are, these are very, very important components. So one of them is being different, unique, polarizing, and that's kind of what I stand behind. I'm, I'm pretty polarizing and I'm pretty like out there in a way. Uh, like if you go even to my profile, you see my cover photo it's uh, it's literally my statement is I make people buy shit They don't need I think it's called a marketer, you know And it's not like I'm sending that people don't need it's just like it's funny because that's a stereotype of the marketer You know, and then you see like a picture of me eating like success gummy bears and like my agency It's called MFM which is motherfucking marketers now to actually have use a name like that That's people are like whoa. Whoa. whoa What the fuck? I'm not gonna use a name like that like that's that's scary and the thing is I like to take those steps because that the brands that work with us are very, 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 very specific brands that understand who we are understand that we're polarizing and we come from a different space. So that's the, one of the key components, be unique, be polarizing. Now, honestly, you don't have to be polarizing or unique to be successful. But if you look at the big, the, the people that are the biggest in the industry, if it's Gary Vaynerchuk, if it's Ty Lopez, if it's Grant Cardone, they have very, there's similarities and the polarizing uniqueness is, is there. But on the other hand you have like semi-successful businesses where it's just regular, Oh, we're going to run your ads. We're going to be f-. like, we have some testimonials, which is good. You're going to get clients, but if you want to be the best of the best, you have to have that uniqueness. You have to have that aspect. So that's one. Um, number two, is probably the fact that I am a very like, I'm going to give you a humble brag kind of, but I'm, um, I believe at least I'm a very humble down to earth person. Like I talk to, I talk to everyone no matter who they are. I talk to them in the same way. Like I'll talk to a billionaire the same way I talk to somebody that works in McDonald's for example, cause I really, really enjoy conversations and I don't, I don't put myself high above people. Um, that's why what I've noticed, at least with myself and other people that, that, that talk to me, I've, I've created a lot of connections and people really, really love me because I'm honest and I don't brag and I'm, I'm, I don't really talk about my success, but my confidence and the way that I um, show myself, people understand that, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He comes from a point of value. And when I actually, because at the end of the day, most people that are successful, they're not like, out, like, they're not known. Like, you know, you see me and like, oh, I made seven figures in a year, but that people are making $50 million a year. Nobody even heard about them. And you can be taught, I can go to a conference and be talking to somebody with a with a baggy jeans and like a tank top, and people think that this guy is broke, but actually he's running like a multi million dollar company and nobody talks about. And that, that actually happened to me countless of times. And the reason I was able to 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 figure that out is because I came to these people and I talked to them like any any other person. I didn't automatically like judge them. So that's another key component, in my opinion. Like be honest with yourself. Be honest with your brand. And to be like. Honestly, the first year or like two years of my business, I thought I need to be this prestigious marketer. I need to be the Facebook ads guy. I had to suit all the time. I would speak very highly and I would be kind of like, uh, I won't say a douche, but I would be like, I thought that you need to be like kind of a douche and need to be like higher than what you think you are to make people love you. But then I understood like, that I didn't like that. I felt fake. And that's when I actually started to transition and be myself, like post memes, Facebook ads, we actually turn like, be Ben, you know, and that's where I actually excelled.
7: We're here, I mean, was, we were talking about Facebook ads, specifically we we're talking about the 10 stage ad formula that I created. Okay. I mean, it essentially happened out a mistake, actually. Well, not out a mistake, but out of necessity for myself. You know, we run a ton of Facebook ads for a ton of people and as we were, I just like, I need I need a formula that I can just follow every single time. Sure. So a few years ago, I came up with this strategy after tons and tons of money and tons and tons of testing. <laughs> um, tons and but, tons. Tons and tons. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's worked for us, and then so it just started to become a teaching point. I just wanted to share okay. with others what we do every single time, and it just kind of works. So, Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. you want to dive in some of those
1: points and sure. give, give everybody?
7: Yeah, well, I mean... And here's another reason why we came up with it. Essentially, sure. I find when people are looking at Facebook ads, you know, they, they encounter a couple of different things. I don't know if anyone runs ads here, or maybe you run ads, but when you yeah. like oh, yeah. when you open up the power editor and you're just seeing that like blinking cursor <laughs> on the blank white screen, <laughs> right. and it's like, write something, damn it. Um, Where do I go? Yeah, and then you just, you know, a lot of people get stuck there, and so they abandon sure. the whole process. They're like, I just don't know what to write. Uh, so we wanted to overcome that. Cool. Secondly, uh, you know, I noticed that when a lot of people do write, they don't do it with certainty. So they're hoping and they're guessing. They're like, well, I'm going to write this thing. I really don't know if it's going to work. So let's just kind of try this out. And that's not a fun place to be as well. For sure. And then thirdly, I find that a lot of people uh, participate in what I call Facebook philanthropy. In other words, you just donate to Facebook and don't expect a return. <laughs> um, and we don't want that. We want Facebook to be a, a true investment channel. In fact, for sure. our business and the people that we work with, it's the highest yield investment instrument that they have in their business. That's awesome. So really, that's the context of this 10-stage okay. ad-, ad writing formula. We went 90 minutes yesterday. We usually teach this
1: in a 90-minute scenario. And but we don't have do through all 10, so sure. we maybe pull a couple of the top yeah. keys and stuff.
7: Yeah. So I break it down into three main categories, okay. I say every, every ad needs three main categories. One is look, second is hook. Okay. Thirdly is took. Easy to remember. Look, hook, took. Yeah. The idea behind look is the first thing that we need to do is realize that when we're writing ads, the first thing we we need to realize is that we are trying to capture attention. Sure. So the idea is, so many people, especially entrepreneurs and especially you know marketers, right? They spend a lot of time and money and energy influencing and persuading. Right. Well, okay. the problem is, if you haven't caught the attention and you try to influence and persuade, then the problem is you don't realize nobody's listening. Right. So the first, foremost step that we need to realize when we are writing ads is that we need to capture attention. Okay. I don't know about you, Josh. I know when I'm uh, on my uh, my MacBook there, I probably have more than one Chrome tab open.
1: <laughs> yeah. How many are open over yeah, there? How many, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I have, oh, I no have Chrome. Firefox and Safari okay, and multiple, multiple tabs. tabs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. definitely know what you're talking and, about. And that
7: is that is the state of the browser today. Right. So we've got to realize that, you know, we live in a in a world that's heavily distracted, especially on social. People are doing multiple things at the same time. We can't just expect that someone's gonna stop and look at our ad. How how do we do this on the look idea? How do we how do we capture attention? Well I believe that 80% of the success of any ad uh, comes down to the image that we choose. Okay. Image is a big game. Facebook realized that. They bought Instagram for the big B. Right. right. They realized that image is super important. So then how do we have our image stand out from everybody else? Because right. if we're scrolling through a news feed like this and we're just seeing image after image after image after image, how do we get ours to stand out? Right. So I found one of the greatest things to do with our image, and it's such a simple hack that people don't realize, is if you're looking at image after image after image after image, how do you get one to stand out? Well, I say, well, you just take that image, you put it in a photo editor, and you increase the contrast by 30%. Now, you may okay. not, I mean, this would work great if visually I had two images side-by-side side <laughs> so and it. you could actually right. see it, but one clearly pops right. a lot louder and a lot harder than the one that's not increased contrast. Sure. So now think about this. If you're scrolling through your news feed and you see color, image, color, image, color, image, and now all of a sudden something pops, mission one is accomplished. You've yeah. ca- caught their attention. So that's kind of the step one and everything is we got to realize how do we select images, and. We can go into a whole new thing about that. But I mean, when we're thinking about images, it's really the simplest hack that I know to sure. increase increase attention is really, again, just put it in an image editor, increase its contrast by 10 to 30%. Okay. And all of a sudden you have an image that doesn't look like the rest of them. Always at the very first step is how do we capture attention? Right. So once we've done that and we've, we've captured the attention, the next thing that we need to do is what I call hook, or in other words, create connection. Okay. So uh, one of the things I see all the time in Facebook is, again, that we don't realize that it is, in fact, a social platform. We think it's a commerce platform, and so people are trying to sell, sell, sell. At the the end of the day, nobody gets on Facebook with credit card in hand looking to buy anything. (laughs) People get onto Facebook for multiple reasons, but one of the greatest, I think, human needs at the very core of everything is connection. People want to feel like they're not alone. Right. So, I mean, again, we can talk about three or four things that have to do with the connection, but one of the things I really like is, is write a rapport statement. And so what I mean by a rapport statement is rather than trying to sell in your ad, sure. which I mean at some point you have to make an offer, but uh, rather than trying to just sell in your ad, we like to use a copy sequence known as feel felt found. Right. Okay. Just as, as, uh, essentially it's, I know how you feel. I felt the same way too right. until I found whatever and that kind of leads into sure. your offer. So uh, I'm known for saying, look, a good message is not when your ideal prospect understands you. A good message is when your ideal prospect feels understood by you. Uh, so the easy big difference, big, big yeah, difference, sure. right? Because a lot of people write to be understood. Right. Very few people write to have the other person feel understood. And how do we do this very easily? I mean, I think, I think there's four things, I call, I call them the four forces, okay. but I think there's four things that really cause humans to take any action or behavior. Uh, fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations. If you think about anybody as to why they take an action to do something, they are either trying to avoid a fear of frustration, right. or move away from a fear of frustration, sure. or they're trying to move towards a want or an aspiration. Sure. So even yeah. before you get into any marketing, and this is not just understanding your customer avatar and all that other stuff, but even before you get into any marketing, you need to know these things about your ideal prospect. Right. What do they fear, what are they frustrated about, what do they want, and what do they aspire towards? Uh, Once you know those things, if you can write a statement that basically connects with the person on the other end so they feel like, ah, oh, this person gets me, right. then you're, be- you're going to get a much better response in your ads. So Rather than say, hey, I got this really cool thing, buy it. If I were to say, let's say, and I'm going to make this off the top of my head so it might not sit so well, but let's say I'm going after the entrepreneur looking to use Facebook ads to, to generate leads in their business. Sure. I might say something like, hey, I know when I got started, I was looking for a way to grow my business. I tried everything, was super frustrated looking for answers. I even tried Facebook, but I found that every time I wrote an ad, it didn't work, or I got banned, or I, I wasted money. Right. That was until I found a 10-stage ad writing formula that once I deployed it, every single time got me the results that I was looking for. So something like that, the person sure. would be like, yeah, I totally get that. I totally know what it's like to sit and try and write an ad and not know if it's going to work, and then right. I'm all frustrated. I tried all these avenues to build my business, and then again, again I lead into the found here. I got this, this cool 10-stage ad writing formula that I want to give to you today. So, first, look, capture attention. Next, hook, create connection. And then, third, a took. In other words, create an action. Okay. Or get a call to action. Call to action. Now, I realized this the hard way the first time. I remember one of the first times I wrote an ad, we were making a lead magnet available. And uh, I basically said, you know, you can get this thing. And one of the first comments in the ad was, yes, I want it. How do I get it? Mm. I was like, just click the ad.
1: Right. You'd assume. And I've seen those comments and that stuff that we run. Yeah. But it's like, it's there. But you
7: would think. <laughs> yeah. And that's when it just kind of dawned on me that like people want to outsource their thinking. Like people don't want to have the ability or force to make decisions. People don't want to think, what do I got to do? People want to be told what to do. Right. And so now by means of habit and by means of this formula. Um, we always encourage people to say, hey, tell them what you want them to do next. Sure. And in our case, click here to download this, click here to buy this, click here to watch this. We straight up tell them, this is what we're expecting your next action to take. So gotcha. if anyone who's writing an ad literally just peels back and understands these three main elements, right? Capture attention with a great image that pops. Right. Create a connection by building rapport using the feel-felt found sure. by understanding the four forces. And then always tell the person what you want them to do next. I mean, your ads are gonna get way, way, way better results than you're probably getting now.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, most people I guarantee don't put that much thought (laughs) or effort into their one or two ads that they're trying out out there right now. Yeah. I am Josh Felbert. You were watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank.